Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone. My name is Cody Westbrook, and you're listening to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. I invite your attention to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 for our study today. As we work through the book of Nehemiah, as we think about rebuilding the walls, we've noticed in the first seven chapters everything that Nehemiah went through and and all that he did in order to rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. We've talked about the importance of planning and preparation, of execution, and of dealing with conflict and enemies, of making sure that steps are taken to ensure Uh, protection of the work and future success. And all of these things are vital as it pertains to the work of the church, as we seek to look forward into the future. Now, having come out of a global pandemic and all of the issues and the damage that this has caused to the church, as we try to rebuild and carry on with the work of God with zeal and with enthusiasm, we look to the book of Nehemiah and to these lessons because they give us a great deal of encouragement and instruction as we seek to do God's work here in this world. But now, as we turn our attention to Nehemiah chapter 8, what we notice is that the book will transition from focusing upon the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem to now the rebuilding of the people who will dwell within those walls. You see, the children of Israel, as you recall, had been in captivity for 70 years. And now uh, it was necessary for them to turn their attention back to the Word of God and to make sure that their lives were as God would have them to be. So as we study Nehemiah chapter 8, we see a chapter that has to do with restoration. That's spiritual restoration, not physical, but spiritual restoration. We're talking about restoring the hearts and the minds and the lives of people to the service of Almighty God. Now, I think everyone at some point in time has said something like, I don't like the direction that my life is going. I'm sure that we can all think of an occasion in which we sat down and with clarity examined and thought about the way that we had been living and the events of our lives, and we looked upon them with dissatisfaction and with a desire to improve. So the question then is, how can that be accomplished? If we don't like the direction that our life is going, and if we see that there are improvements that need to be made, what do we need to do in order to get our lives right? Well, that is exactly the question that we find in Nehemiah chapter 8. The wall has been finished, the work is completed, and now the attention is turned to the people of God. And here's a point that we need to realize and that we need to meditate upon carefully. I cannot do my best work for God unless my heart is right with God. I'll say that again. I cannot do my best work for God unless my heart is is right with God. I must be fit for His use. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. So how can I be fit for use in the kingdom of God? How can my heart be right with God? Well, that starts with the Word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 9, 
Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's verse 11. Verse 9 asks the question, How can a young man cleanse his way? And the answer is by taking heed to the word of God. God's word has been given to us by inspiration. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Scripture tells us many times that its purpose, or at least part of its purpose, is to be able to change lives. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9-11 through 11 is an important passage for us to consider. In this passage, the Apostle Paul relates his prayer, or at least one of his prayers, for the church at Colossae. And I want you to note carefully what he says in these passages. For this reason, Colossians 1 verse 9, Paul says, We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, notice with me that there are a number of things that Paul identifies in verse 10 and verse number 11. He says, first of all, his desire is that you may walk worthy of the Lord. So, a worthy walk or a life that is worthy, fully pleasing Him. The idea of living in a way that pleases God. Number two, being fruitful in every good work. Not only does he identify living a life that is well-pleasing in the sight of God, but he also identifies being fruitful in the service of God. And then number three, increasing in the knowledge of God. This has to do with our relationship with God. It's an indication of fellowship, growing closer to God. Number four, being strengthened with all might. So notice these four things, walking the worthy and well-pleasing walk, being fruitful in every good work, growing closer to God or increasing in our knowledge of God, and growing stronger, being strengthened. Now, why do we mention all of these items? Look at verse number 9 again. All all of the items mentioned in verses 10 and 11 are connected with Paul's desire in verse 9. Notice what it is. We do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You see, walking the worthy walk and being fruitful in every good work and growing closer to God and being strengthened, all of those things are dependent upon our knowledge of God's will. Paul prayed that they might know more of God's will so that they might grow in these four areas. Now, as we consider Nehemiah chapter 8, and as we consider our question, and that is, how can I right the ship? How can I change my life? Colossians 1, 9-11 identifies for us uh, why the Word of God is necessary for this to, to happen, for this to be a reality. 
The Word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The gospel is God's power to save, according to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. If I want to change my life, if I want to live in a way that is pleasing to God, I must take heed to God's Word. I want to step away again from Nehemiah chapter 8. Really, before we begin looking at the text of Nehemiah chapter 8, I want us to consider just a few more points in a general way as it pertains to God's Word. Now, we talk often about the need to study God's Word. In fact, we have passages like 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 that tell us to study to show ourselves approved unto God. But let me ask this question Why do we emphasize studying the Bible so much? Do you know that the Bible identifies a number of blessings that come as a result of studying God's Word and of hiding it within our hearts? Let me identify some of these for you, and I hope, or at least would encourage you perhaps to maybe press the pause button and to go find a a piece of paper and a pen or maybe open up the Note app on your iPhone and write these down and go look carefully at these passages. First of all, the reason why we should pay careful attention to the Word of God is because God's Word provides for us stability and the ability to produce good fruit. In Psalm 1, the psalmist identifies a man who is blessed, and he says that that man is the one who meditates in God's Word both day and night. And he further states that he shall be like a tree that is planted by the river of water that brings forth his fruit in its season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he'll prosper. We look at the image that is presented for us so beautifully in that psalm, and in our mind's eye we can see a tree planted by a stream of water, and it has a constant source of nourishment. It, it, its roots are able to soak up the moisture that the river provides or that the stream provides. And so it has a sturdy root system, a sturdy foundation. It's stable. And then, of course, it's going to be fruitful. It's going to be able to produce the fruit uh, that it's designed to produce. And the psalmist says that those two things are going to be present within our lives if we simply spend our time meditating upon God's will, if we hide it within our hearts. Second, a reason for studying God's Word is that it produces or it will bless us with wisdom. Listen to the words of the writer of the book of Proverbs, Solomon, in Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, as he talks about the need to search for wisdom. Listen to what he says. Proverbs 2.1 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now notice first that last passage, Proverbs 2, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Note back in Proverbs 1, verse 7, this is what the Proverbs writer said in that passage, and this really serves, I think, as the purpose statement for the book of Proverbs. Listen to what he says. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Where do we learn the fear of the Lord? According to Proverbs 2, verse 1 to 5, we learn it from inclining our ear to wisdom, applying our heart to understanding, crying out for discernment, lifting up our voice, seeking wisdom and understanding as silver and gold and hidden treasure. In other words, we learn how to fear God by searching out and seeking to know and understand God's will. You see, James chapter 3 identifies the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from below or originates within man. And he says the wisdom that comes from below is devilish and sensual, but the wisdom that comes from above is good and peaceful and easily entreated. God has wisdom. He is the ultimate source of wisdom. And the Bible teaches us that if we would know the wisdom that comes from God, then we simply have to open up God's book and search diligently to find that wisdom. And in so doing, then, we will grow in our wisdom and we will know what it is to fear the Lord. Here's a third reason why we emphasize studying God's Word. Look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 4 and note what the Apostle Paul says about the things that are written in the Old Testament Scripture. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the uh, patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You may have wondered at some point in time, why are we spending our, our time and energy studying the Old Testament book of Nehemiah? After all, don't we live under the New Testament? And isn't it the case that Jesus nailed the Old Testament law to the cross? Well, that is correct. We do live under the law of the New Testament, and Jesus did nail the Old Testament law to his cross, according to Colossians chapter 2. But notice that the passage in Romans 15, 4 does not say that the things that were written before time were written for our law. No, he says they were written for our learning. You see, there is still great value to be found in studying Old Testament scripture because of all of the wonderful things that it teaches us. But note what he says. He identifies specific blessings in this passage. He says that there is patience and comfort from the Scriptures. In other words, the Scriptures develop within us patience, and the Scriptures have the ability to comfort us. And the reason why it's so important to have patience and comfort that the Scripture provides is because that helps us to know better our hope. Well, why is hope so important? Well, hope is a realistic expectation. The Bible tells us that we have a living hope in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and following, and that that living hope is based upon the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that it produces within us a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory as we look to the future, as we look to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the reality of the fact that we'll be able to go on and be with Him in heaven forever. It is that hope that sustains us as the anchor of our soul, according to Hebrews chapter chapter 6. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans 15, 4, that as we study Scripture, that we're going to grow in patience and comfort, that we're going to grow in our hope. What more important reason could be found to study God's Word? So we have stability and fruit production. We have wisdom. We have patience and comfort and hope. But notice Acts 20, 32. In Acts 20, in verse number 32, the Bible says that the Scripture has the ability to build us up. Now, I don't know about you, but as I 
think back over the last 12 to 14 months, as I think about the difficulties that have unfolded within this country and even within the church and with even within my own life, I can certainly say with confidence that there have certainly been times that I have needed to be encouraged, that I've needed to be built up and to be strengthened. And Acts 20 and verse 32 tells me that the Bible has the ability to do just that. How about James chapter 1 and verse 21? James says that our salvation depends upon our willingness to receive the Word of God. Listen to what the writer says. James 1 verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. Notice that. The Word of God is able to save your souls. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says that the Scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation. What's the lesson? What's the point that these two passages are trying to impress upon us? The point is that if we're going to be saved from our sins, if we're going to be saved in eternity, then that is going to depend upon our willingness to understand and apply what God's Word teaches us. Stability, fruit production, wisdom, patience, comfort, hope, encouragement, salvation. These are all things that the Bible will point to and say, these are benefits and blessings that come from studying and applying the Word of God. But there's more. Listen to Psalm 119 and verse number 11. The psalmist says, Your word I have hidden in my heart, so that I might not sin against you. You see, Scripture has the power not only to cleanse our lives, but it has the power to keep our lives clean. I think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 in his temptation in the wilderness. You'll recall by uh, reading that chapter that the devil comes to Jesus in the wilderness and he tempts him three times. And three times Jesus answers the uh, temptation of the devil by saying, "...it is written." Jesus references Scripture. He quotes passages of Scripture in order to deal with the temptation that the devil puts before him. I would remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Bible tells us that there is no temptation that is overtaken uh, man than that which is common to man, and that with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape. Well, there is no more obvious way of escape than looking to God's Word. After all, if Jesus was able to answer temptation with Scripture, how much more should I be willing and able to answer temptation with Scripture? Well, what does it mean to hide God's Word in our hearts? That's what the psalmist said, isn't it, in Psalm 119, verse number 11? Well, it means to memorize it. It means to make it a part of who we are, to implant it within our DNA, if you will. I would encourage you to engage, if you're not already, on a regular, systematized uh, memorization of God's Word. Maybe it's writing passages out on a piece of paper. Maybe it's uh, uh, finding an app on your iPhone or your Android which will assist you with Bible memorization. Maybe you just go to the store and buy a packet of note cards and make flashcards for yourself and quiz yourself on a daily basis with passages of Scripture. Whatever it takes, whatever your method may be, I would encourage you to memorize the Word of God and to recall daily and many times throughout the day the passages that you've committed to your memory. I think that when you do that, you will find a number of benefits and blessings that come from it. But one, 
is that it will help you in a time of temptation. I would encourage you to memorize passages that are applicable to areas in which you know are a challenge and a struggle for you. And when you find yourself being tempted in those areas, simply take time to recall those passages to mind. Quote those passages. Think about them. Pray about them. And they will help you to be able to overcome that temptation. Another reason that the Bible identifies for uh, as a blessing or a benefit from studying the Word of God, we might just say, is life. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3, Moses looks back to the events where, uh, in which uh, God fed the children of Israel with manna in the wilderness. And he tells us that the reason why God fed the children of Israel with manna in the wilderness is so they may learn that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the children of Israel needed to learn that they had to depend upon God for everything in their life, that they had to have faith in Him, and that they had to depend upon the provision that He, that he gave. Well, that same principle, that same truth is relevant for you and for me today as well. Jesus would reference the same passage when he would say, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, we depend upon God for our physical provision, but we also depend upon God for our spiritual provision, and that ultimately is most important. So as we turn to God's word every day, we, we feast upon, uh, upon it. In the same way, we wake up in the morning and we're hungry, and so we eventually find our way to the kitchen so that we can have some breakfast. And then when lunchtime comes around, we eat, and dinner time as well, and we have snacks throughout the day. Why? Because our body is hungry and it needs nourishment. Well, our spiritual man hungers and thirsts, and it needs to be nourished as well. Jesus said, I am the word of life. He also said, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6. And whoever comes to me will never hunger. We've got to constantly feed upon God's Word because that's what sustains us physically. But here's one last point to consider. Why is it so important to emphasize the Word of God? Well, in order to pass the test. John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said that my Word will judge you in the last day. You see, there's going to come a time in which every human being is going to stand before God in judgment. And the Bible teaches us that the books are going to be open. Well, what books? He's talking about the Bible. I want you to think back to a time in which you were in school or in college. Think back to a time in which your teacher uh, prepared you for a test, a final exam. And imagine that the teacher gave you the final exam in days, weeks even, before sitting down to take the actual test. He gave you the test. He gave you the answers for the test. And all that you had to do was commit those answers to memory so that you could then sit down and take the test and pass it with a perfect score. When we go to the judgment day, it's as if we're going to be taking a test for which we've already been given the answers. The answers to life are found within the pages of Scripture. All we must do is read them and apply them to our lives. Now, I take your attention just for a couple of moments in the time we have remaining back to Nehemiah chapter 8. We've not looked at the text yet. We, Lord willing, will do that in our next study together. But hopefully, 
as we think about the importance of restoring our lives and getting our lives going in a proper direction, hopefully we have seen the importance of going to the Word of God in order to make that a reality. It is unfortunate, I think, that so many people in our world recognize that they're struggling and they want their lives to be improved, but they don't know where to turn. So maybe they turn on the radio or the television and they listen or they watch someone who claims to know what ingredients are necessary for a good and proper life. Maybe they go to the bookstore and they try to uh, find a book that's written, a self-help book, to try and show them how life can be lived in a way that is meaningful. But the reality is that true meaning is found within the pages of God's Word. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly, John 10 and verse 10. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. We're here in this world in order to glorify God. We're here in this world in order to fear Him, to honor Him, to keep His commands. We're here in this world that we might live a life of abundance now and into eternity in service to God. The only way to get our lives turned in the direction that is appropriate, the only way is to study our Bibles and to apply the words of Scripture to our life. That's the reason why we have the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. That's the reason why we work so hard to present sound and balanced sermons from the Word of God. That's the reason why we have periodicals and bulletins and so many other things that we uh, seek to use in order to help understand God's Word better. And so, as we come to the end of our episode today... We, again, thank you for taking the time to study God's Word with us because it is so very important. We hope that you will tell your friends and your family and your neighbors about our podcast. We encourage you to share our podcast episodes, maybe on Facebook or some other social media. Perhaps email an episode or text message a link to uh, someone that you think might be interested. We want as many people as possible to take the time to open up the Bible and study it with us because Bible study is vital to being the people that God would have us to be. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. We hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and be back again with us, Lord willing, on our next episode as we open up the Bible and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.